I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You can act like a man! Right, lad, it's time to man up. Yeah. Come on. Take your boys to a little corner and teach them how to cry all I don't day. Think that's what What is masculinity? Uh, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Uh, well, yeah, as I just told you, I've um, basically eaten a whole bowl of Sichuan peppercorns, and I may or may not be allergic to them. Uh, I think it's just a bit of gas at this rate. I feel like I know I'm going to be sick, and uh, I don't feel that bad. Um, so, uh, touch wood. Yeah, that's, that's a great, good, good place to be. Keep um, on keeping on. Yeah. That shows the dedication yeah. that you bring to this, to this, to podcast, this podcast, to this team. Yeah. You we were... need, you just, you just have to let the people know. How, what I'm going through. No, I mean, you have to let, oh, the I have to let the people know. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The slightly less Oh, that made me sound really self absorbed, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Through vomit and in health. Yeah. You will let the people know. Aye. But something that's happened since we last did this is I got a perm. <laughs> Unfortunately podcasts aren't the best uh platforms for flaunting a perm. I know, it's a real shame. It's a real shame that, that the listeners can't see these girls. Um it was it was a look it's amazing by the way. I love it. I think it's I think it looks quite Do you silly. know what? I was I was in two minds when you sent me that first picture when it was like freshly done in the hairdressers. Yeah. Uh and I haven't seen you in person since obviously, but I feel like I've warmed to it. That's good. That's great. I've definitely warmed to it. The um it was kind of a weird or unexpected interaction when I went in to get it done. Um so I went in to get some advice um, on my lunch break. And I was like, hiya. Um, I'm just looking for a bit of advice. Uh, I'm thinking of getting a perm. And the woman the woman was like, right, what do you want a perm for? And I was like, That's a wait. good question. I was like, wait, what? That's not how this is meant to go. Like, yeah, I'm meant that's to exactly go- what I would have asked. No, I'm meant to go in. I'm meant to say, I say, I want a perm. You meant to say how high. That's how it's meant to go. All right, fair enough. Like I want, I was expecting her to be like, "Excellent choice, sir. It'll suit your hair perfectly. Take a seat. When can we get mm-hmm. you booked in?" She was like, uh, "What do you want one of them for?" <laughs> I was like, well, "No, no." I was on the back foot. But um, was it the I, same woman that booked you in that did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did she? Uh, did she convince herself by the end of it? She came round. She came, she came round. round. Well, I came said... Came round to the curls. Yeah. I said, um, when she asked, why do I want one? I said, uh, I think they look good. She was <laughs> like, ah, fair mm. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I think it was basically just to check that, like, I was committed to the to the curls and, like, okay. wasn't just going to fall at the first hurdle. You know, like, if I'm yeah, going to sit in that... Yeah, probably not a lot of men your age come in asking for one, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to start something. But she said, she did say um, that quite a lot of, it's more common now. She's mm-hmm. getting a few requests from from young men. Okay. Um, young men like yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just thinking, look, I've wanted one for years and years. Didn't know and that about you. I have I have wanted a pen for a really long time, ever since I saw Justin Timberlake um, in NSYNC. All right. Part of me, I think I internalised that part of me was like I, I want those girls um, and I'm rapidly approaching 30 and I just think you know society forgives the mistakes of people in their 20s yeah a lot more than it forgives the mistakes of people in their 30s that's probably true and and we're also fast approaching a hot girl summer so <laughs> we just need to do some hot girl <laughs> shit uh, as I said to my housemate uh, the other day as we're both like preparing ourselves for hot girl summers 
Uh, we're not even in hot girl summer yet. We're just in a warm girl spring. Oh yeah. So there's a there's a few stages to it. Uh-huh. So I feel like you've done a very warm girl spring thing in preparation for the hot girl summer. Yeah, that's it. I got sp- I got my hair looks like it's made of springs. <laughs> that's part of it. That's stage one. Um, I no, it's grand. I feel like it's the hair that I was born to have. What? All right, we'll, we'll we'll discuss that in ten years' time. Right. Well, <laughs> I just I, I know I don't want to I don't want to like shit on your bonfire. I'm just saying that is a very bold statement, Stefan. No, no matter how much, no matter how bad your diarrhea from Szechuan pepper is, you will not be able to shit on my bonfire. I love this hair so much, man. All I'm right, just beyond fine. it. I'm okay, beyond okay. it. Okay. There is I'll... no amount of like I cannot be. I cannot be gotten off this high horse. Okay, you're untouchable. <laughs> uh, Should we get on with it? <laughs> yeah, if you want. What is masculinity? So, uh, welcome to the Anti-Mask Podcast, where we make compassionate critiques of masculinities in the 21st century. I'm Stefan Harvey, and as usual, I'm joined by Alistair Ingalls. And today, we're going to talk about gun violence and how that ties in with masculinity and we'll do a little tour de force of various forms of terrorism how that ties in with gender male power and then uh, I think we'll we'll talk a bit about how um, guns are sort of put in front of little boys and what you made to think about that from uh, back in the day as well or not even necessarily little boys but young men too Um, so yeah it's quite a another rather dark topic. Uh, don't think we'll be cracking too many jokes, but um, an important one nonetheless. Uh, we decided to do this episode in light of even more cases of domestic terrorism in the US, um, which are of course often, no, almost always tied in with race as well. But we will talk about that overlap too. There's a lot of overlaps between hatred for certain minorities and also women as an entire very simplified group as a gender in not just the US but in various far-right circles across the world and I do want to look a little bit into how the internet plays into that and how it kind of like creates communities across borders too but um yeah where do you want to start off Alistair um yeah that was quite that was quite quite a lot man We've got a yeah. lot to unpack here. Um, um, why don't we start with what you've been reading? Okay. So I've been reading a book called Homegrown, How Domestic Violence Turns Men Into Terrorists by Joan Smith. And it's a super interesting book because it's basically like a survey of loads of notable terrorists from the past like two decades Mm-hmm. largely in the West, or all in the West, basically, in the UK, France, and the US mainly. And it's interesting looking at all these different cases of terrorism, be they Islamic terrorism or, um, you know, white nationalist far-right terrorism. And John Smith makes the case that basically anyone who ends up committing a terrorist attack has some history of domestic violence in the first place, be it imposed on them and or something they've committed themselves. And there's basically like a really convincing argument that like terrorism in society is almost always only the outcome of like years of quote unquote training through the form of domestic terror as in like home terrorism. Mm. If that makes sense. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's like... Through the form of domestic violence, yeah. It's like... Oh, man. That's like, So it's, it's like it's like the violence in the, in the home overspilling. To... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't know if overspilling is the word. Because um, it's more like a form of like... Train it like a a desensitizing space, right? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Overspill sounds accidental, doesn't it? Yeah, like they're constantly filling up with violence and then they sort of like... They're like, oops. Oops, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's when you fall into the dangerous territory of saying like, oh, so-and-so is just having a bad day. As well, I believe the a police chief said about the guy from the Atlanta shootings back in March, which were just clearly anti-Asian shootings. Yeah, I can't believe that. Um, I yeah, I mean, there's 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 nothing yeah, there's nothing accidental about that, is there? It's calculated, nope. and yeah, that is that is a really like in fascinating but like disturbing point about um the home being like almost like a terrorist training camp mm. well not quite that not not to, not quite a camp but i mean cuz that's where you would go to like to learn about it from someone else but yeah exactly it's it's almost like a kind of um you're kind of like pushing boundaries and seeing what's possible and mm. yeah but the, the, there is that overlap too um with actual terrorist training caps in the sense that um some of the cases that are accounted in john smith's book are islamic terrorists and i'm not going to say that white nationalists don't have terrorist camps it's just something that you don't hear about in the same way it would be have to be something you'd, I'd need to like look into more, but certainly there's a lot of guys from the UK and France who are culturally Islamic, and they will often, or not necessarily culturally Islamic. I think some might be converts too, um, but they will have had unfortunate upbringings initially maybe subject to abuse in the home or just just poverty and pretty dire straits, but they may very well have committed domestic violence as well. And that vulnerability that starts from an early age means that they're so much more easy to manipulate in the eyes of recruiters for terrorist organisations and ultimately training camps. So a lot of the guys that choose to go out to Syria or wherever else in the Middle East to get involved with that training are already very disillusioned. Yeah. Yeah. And they just get preyed on. Yeah. Yeah. Was you said that uh the the book's basically like a survey of of terrorists. Do you is it like does she interview people? No, I mean survey in the sense that like it's just a, a recounting of lots of different cases. Yeah, okay, gotcha. If that makes gotcha. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like, like a like a geographical survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You can't, you can't ask the like, rocks how they feel. Yeah. <laughs> the rocks. Yeah. Um but what I think's interesting is like obviously there's that scenario where men are born into a situation where they're already vulnerable. And then that vulnerability shines through to more manipulative people throughout all their lives. And then they feed on that mistreatment and hatred to encourage them to do things that they want them to do based on their agenda, be it terrorism of any form. And this would happen like in any circle because, you know, things like, if not grooming, but like bullying happens in, in like far right circles to pressure people into doing certain things too. As mm -hmm. much as there is this more like, structured training within like is islamicist circles um but that if someone's committed domestic violence then if we're talking about gender specifically you're always going to have this very sad state of affairs where if a man's been able to abuse his power somehow in the home it's almost always going to have been over women hmm so yeah. even if someone goes out and commits a terrorist attack without gender being part of their, excuse the kind of pun, agenda, you know, like in the way that Elliot Rogers went out and was like unquestionably an incel shooter aiming women. Yeah. Obviously, if you've got like racially motivated shootings, then it's the, the race that takes priority over the gender. But 
if that shooter or person with a knife or whatever has committed something bad in the home before, it's always going to be women that have borne the brunt in some way. Yeah, women are, are, are like children. Yeah, exactly. Probably, yeah. God, that's a that's an interesting point. I never really would have considered that. But I mean, it's yeah, it's it's overwhelmingly women, isn't it, that that are victims of domestic domestic violence. Yeah, and I think Was, I think it tie, go on. No, go ahead. I think it ties into that point we made the other week about the uh, like public safety episode two as well. Mm. How, based on statistics a lot of women's fears of being in public are in in inverted commas illogical, but they're not illogical. It's rooted in the fact that there's a threat at home. Aye. Aye. Um, and again, we can just see another example here of like how this violence that creates fear in the home then does manifest itself into... I don't want to say more dangerous, but like other dangerous things in public as well. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's weird because I think I think public violence is more uh, common against men. It's also perpetrated by men. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. But but like private violence and domestic violence and like the kind of controlling, they're kind of like emotional like abuse sort of that comes with that sure is like way more pervasive for women for sure um so what do you so what's all right then so this book by what did you say her name joan smith joan smith yeah joan smith um is it is it all men that that are the terrorists yeah not all men as in like Every man is a terrorist, but like yeah, all yeah, the terrorists, yeah. every case is a man. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So, what do you think? What I mean, does John Smith say anything about that? Does she say anything about the gendered aspect of it um, explicitly? Um, yes, in the sense that I mean, the title is "How Domestic Violence Turns Men into Terrorists." Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's like the subtitle. Um, but that, of course, cases of domestic violence are overwhelmingly committed by men as well. So if you take okay. that statistic first, then you can see how if that's the one that grows into public violence, is always going to be primarily men that commit the public violence as well. Mm, yeah, I guess it's it's pretty hard to to remove to to separate those two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, when do you hear about a woman going out and committing a mass shooting? <laughs> I genuinely, I, I don't know any cases. Yeah, I couldn't do I. I. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Um. Anyway, oh, so you know what? Uh, it's so bloody. Um. It's so like painfully obvious that it's always that terrorists are always men. Yeah. That um the fact that you're saying it is making me be like it's almost it's almost like um obsolete to mention it, like redundant to mention it, but it's worth mentioning. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. It's it's like when you notice you suddenly notice like a piece of art on the wall that you've that you've walked past for like years and you're like oh yeah. oh this this is this is the thing yeah 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 look at this yeah this this is worth like paying attention to i said that i said that like overwhelmingly um terrorists are men i mean you do get women in that don't necessarily like commit the violence but are like part of the cause complicit yeah and yeah. I think there are like a minority cases of uh, suicide bombings committed by women in the Middle East and stuff. Yeah. But I think if we're talking about like France, the UK and the US, then I'm pretty sure it's almost exclusively men. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
so following on from that, because we're talking about like gun violence primarily, obviously not many of the terrorist attacks in France and the UK were carried out with carried out with guns. Uh, there was like the Charlie Hebdo shootings in Paris where they went into the offices. That was two brothers who I was thinking of particularly who just had really um, unfortunate upbringings in, in, in Paris. And it was, if you read about their personal histories, it's quite unsurprising that they were groomed to become terrorists. Um, But Joan Smith does also... But well, you've got the, the Bataclan as well, right? The, the like concert in in Paris. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah complete. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was, was mentioned it. in the book as well. Was it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. But John Smith then goes on to talk about like American gun advertising and just how central guns are to the US. Mm. Um and there have been some adverts that are just like so blatantly encouraging kind of gun violence on top of just like the the allure of owning a gun and it's also mm-hmm. very like tied in with gender so one promotes violence one promotes like an, a masculine ideal so one advert said something like oh you know the biggest army in the world ain't in china it's actually this just sort of like unofficial army in the u.s of gun holders mm. because so many people can just buy them quite freely yeah and uh that the use of the word army in sort of like a marketized advert is quite poignant as Joan Smith points out, because sadly a lot of particularly far right, like white nationalist um, terrorists have these like uh, military aspirations or like fantasies about them being soldiers themselves, Mm. having never received any of that like formal training that someone in a national army would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a weird kind of fantasy, isn't there? Of um, yeah. I don't know what it is, man. It's it's almost like it's almost like. Well, let, let's get on to that in a minute because I do have some ideas about it. But it would also be cool if you spoke about the reasons why you've held a gun before. So we'll do we'll do that in a sec. Aye. Yeah, um, and then another advert by some gun marketing campaign was like, oh. Here's, have you lost your like man card or your man pass? And it was like, get it back by buying like whatever model of gun. And yeah, it's like quite funny in it in like a laughing at it way, but it's also terrifying because it just like totally plays into that narrative of like, have a gun and you get your masculinity with it. And then it's just like, have this murder weapon and that's what makes you a man. And then if you're told that being a man or like having masculinity or whatever is like crucial to your existence put two and two together you're going to think being able to shoot a fucking gun is crucial to your existence whoa oh man I finally I didn't realise it was that easy just hold a gun and then you're a man <laughs> god's sake sign me up yeah god we can cancel the podcast we can just that's it there and then it's sorted just have a gun you're a man End of. Um, yeah. What do you think? Do you think there's a uh, a special allure of guns for for men, in particular, as opposed to women? So. Yes, I think so because looking back historically, before even like guns existed, right? There's yeah. always been. I mean, like, it's a chicken and egg question, like, allure, but also, like, expectation and worship of a man as a soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Which comes with, like, forms of, like, noble causes in the right context. But mm-hmm. I'd call myself a pacifist as much as possible. But, I, you know, I get it. You know, you can fight the good fight within reason. Yeah. So one thing is that, like, you know, just maybe having a sword back in the day had that same allure that having a gun does now. Yeah. I'd much yeah. rather have a sword. If I was going to play about with something, yeah. I'd just want to chop stuff. You can but get anyway, one. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a little guitar teacher who paid like thousands of pounds for like a samurai sword to be like handmade. Really? For him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's, okay. He's, he was quite a sad man, but um, it sounds like I, it. I thought it was pretty cool when I was like thirteen. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you think he just got it to impress thirteen-year-olds? I think most things he did were to impress thirteen-year-olds, <laughs> and not in oh. genuinely not in a creepy way. Sure, just that like that was his like his the his audience because I feel like he thought all of his students were an audience were between the ages of like eleven and eighteen. Hmm. Mm. So he's just sort of like what he flaunted as cool and his humour just like sank to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think yeah. Oh go on. Go on. I was gonna say I think I think sometimes things can be sad but not creepy. And I hope yeah. this is this is one of those times. I never got you know I never yeah. got like a salty vibes. He was yeah. Just a bit of a loser. Yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> Great segue. So, yeah. So based on that, I think it's interesting how there's this like, it's like cultural symbol of like someone respected as a martial figure in in any part of the world throughout history. But you only actually really get the respect if you've got like formal training with that like body of power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to kind of have like an institution behind you almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't be a lone wolf, as many of them are wrongly called. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's like a. Um. There's like a kind of like revol- revulsion to like I don't know, it's 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 like really unsettling. Um when someone goes out and does it themselves. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time soldiers are like valorized and all the rest of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean, I think on you know, the idea of a soldier is is like as a protector. For the nation that you're, yeah. that you're in, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I get you. And they serve, they serve the country that you're in, right? So yeah, you, you know, you ideally you can trust them. Or the, this image, this like positive image that's portrayed, that's yeah. what it is, right? It's a protector that's meant to keep you safe. Be the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, us, uh, yeah. So then, on the flip side. It's like, and so these lone soldiers, these like, like fucking, fucking lone s- solo soldiers. What yeah. what are they fighting? What are they protecting? What are they doing? Well, they're threatening what we've been brought up to cherish as like stable and protective, right? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose what's a, an interesting distinction to make though would be that quite often like far-right terrorists, they are still absolutely influenced by, like, networks, but I think much more online and write these, like, very individualistic manifestos about why Mm. they're doing something, and it it references other terrorists of a, like, similar type, but it's not like they've been to some training camp with them or whatever. Whereas I think, like, a lot of Islamists both in the Middle East and in the West would like consider themselves like, even if it's not necessarily true, because I'm sure like there's various like disjointed terrorist groups that like don't really have as much clout as they think they do or don't really add up in the way that like for years, like nobody's really known what Islamic State is. You know, like it is this thing, but like it's pretty fractured and Mm. it is maybe lots of different groups and so on. But the, like Islamic terrorists would very much like consider themselves part of an army, part of a movement. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's only in the eyes of like the Western country that they're doing it, that they're seen as like outsiders. Mm. So, uh, what it tells about that time you held a gun. Speaking of the army, 
I went to the army for work experience when I was, I guess, I don't know, 14 or 15, I think is when you go. Um, and I went with a, a bunch of lads. Uh, there was maybe about 12 or 12 of us. And um, it was mostly like non-academic lads. It was mostly the lads that, that you would expect that might join the army in school. I'm sure yeah. you've got like an image in your mind. It was mostly these guys. And I I, I'd, I'd, um, I wanted to join the army when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought it was like quite a, a noble and um, I was... I was basically like seduced by these images that you were um Yeah, I absolutely was to. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I so 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 I went to this I went to this work experience thing and mate it was so it was so fun. It was so fun because it was basically just a massive recruitment exercise and we yeah. got to go like swimming. We were there for a week. We did like, did like big hikes and stuff and we did like obstacle courses. We're just running around, playing yeah, yeah. football, playing football, yeah. um, and we had this. We did like some some really basic weapons training. Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh, that was that was pretty pretty fun, and quite weird. Uh, I remember. So we had these. Um, we had these. I can't remember what the what the what the name of the rifle is, but it was like a, a complete replica of the the one that the, the British Army use. Okay. Um, uh, but it had been modified so that it um it didn't shoot any bullets. It didn't yeah. even shoot. It didn't shoot blanks either. But it um it was modified so that like you could shoot at a target like a like digitally almost. Oh, it okay, was kinda, right. So like it could tell where you were pointing. Right, it was checking your aim. Yeah, right, yeah. Sort, sort of, thing. of like if you're playing Time Crisis Two. Aye, and it still had that kick, right? Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In the way that the guns in Time Crisis Two kick. Okay. Uh, was it but a bit it was more like, forceful than that. It was a lot more forceful. It was like <laughs> that was also like a total replica, yeah. And um, man, when I was just holding it, I felt like this like mad rush of like of power, almost mm-hmm. kind yeah. of. It was like it was like um. I think I used this analogy before. It was like um, when you've got... It wasn't a huge rush. It was like when the in the toilet when you've got the big flush and the wee flush. <laughs> it was like the wee flush of just this like feeling of like these hormones just like... Right, okay. Yeah, and I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> I felt like a tingling. Yeah, I just got a sense that this is... These things are really dangerous, man. Yeah, and obviously oh, it sounds stupid to say it, but yeah, I just got this mad sense that they were really just uh, tools of instruments of destruction. Yeah, it was pretty freaky. And then I and I was lying there because because we were, were lying on our bellies in like a in, a in a line. There was like eight of us in a line, all lying mm. on our bellies shooting these targets. And I was in the end, and I, I looked down the line and I just saw these like these like kids, right? Yeah, my classmates. Like none of them had beards yet, and they were all like getting ready to be little soldiers. Yeah, it's pretty freaky. But maybe it taught them something. Maybe it taught them a bit of discipline. Who knows what would have happened to these boys? Um, I sp- well, to be I fair, suppose, I yeah. suppose there is an argument to be made that army recruitment and terrorism feed on the same. It's like two sides of the same coin of like male insecurities and disillusionment mm. and, and unfortunate situations in life. That's a good point. Yeah, they are often the same like uh, crop almost. Yeah. Cro- that sounds a bit callous. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's like the closest I've come to holding an actual gun. Mm. But I mean, apart from paintball and laser quest. Yeah. Which are just really fun. Yeah. Just man. Yeah. Man. Paintballing is great. 
Oh, it's so good. Uh, like, who doesn't want to go out and get covered in bruises on the weekend? I mean, not everyone, but uh, I don't mind it now and then. I love. Uh, I I used to love um, like the kids' birthday parties, um, it, like, and it was a big deal, right? Because paintball's expensive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, yeah. If if it's like if it's like I don't know how much it is to be honest, but if it's like twenty quid a head or something, and you've got, and you want, and your kid wants like ten ten mates to go, mm. that's like two hundred quid. That's quite. Yeah. That's a lot of money, man. Um, so it was always like a bit of, there's always like a bit of politics going on at school and it's like, oh, did you, did you get invited to Adam's, but to the paintballing party? And I'm like, no, I didn't get invited. And then like the rest of your mates do and you're like, why, why didn't, why didn't Adam invite me? Like, yeah, I, I thought we were cool, man. And he's like, sorry, cause couldn't afford it. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I, I mind when I got invited a couple of times. Oh, fuck, it was fun. It was so fun. Not even, not even the too enthusiastic uncle who would buy extra paintballs and smoke grenades couldn't put me off. <laughs> the, like the creepy, the like amped up cousin who's like, yeah, who's, who's just like necking Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had four monsters and I've bought three smoke grenades. It's gonna pop off, lads. <laughs> Not even those guys could could ruin it for me. I, I absolutely loved it. It's like crawling through the mud, like getting mud on on my face, like you know, like putting it on like war paint sort yeah, of thing, yeah, like going yeah. like full like Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in Predator, like getting in the mud so they yeah. can't see you. Oh God, I loved it. What do you think about um? What do you think about paintballing as a on a date? I'd be. Very up for paintballing on a on a date if the other person's up for it. First date? Not, yeah, if they're up for it. If it's not some kind of sadistic act where you're just like, <laughs> I'm not telling you what we've booked. And then you just drive someone to a paintballing range and they're like, you are a horrible person. Oh, blind date. Imagine if someone sets you up for a blind date. Yeah. And it's paintballing. I'd be... I wouldn't care how the date goes because I'd be like, I've just got a free paintballing session. Well, <laughs> no, you have to pay for it, but I'd, mm. I'd still be up for it. You could probably split the split the paintball and it's 2021. You don't need to pay for it. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's nice to offer. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. I love paintballing. It just brings something out in me. Yeah, well, I mean, that will go on. That's that's an interesting question in itself. Like, when is it all right for something like that to bring something out of you, as it were? Mm. Like, is it... So I was going to say, like, is it like doing rugby or a martial art or something? Mm -hmm. But even then you could say, like, where's the line between healthy aggression... And like one that in theory someone of any gender can take part in. Like if they're trained in it, they're enthusiastic, consensual. But then like people can overstep the line, say in like a rugby match where like they break the rules and start making high tackles and you're hitting people in the neck and the head and it's you, you're genuinely actually just threatening people's lives then. So that's bringing something out in a bad way because it's actually bringing out like something closer to a murderous instinct. Or like a mm. level of pain or damage that not everybody else has like signed the contract for. So oh, I see what you mean. So so then if you've got a, a paintball gun in your hand, what is it bringing out? Yeah, what is it bringing out? It's bringing out the desire to, um, like, what it it takes me back to. It takes me back. Oh, it takes <laughs> me back. It takes me back to. Um, just like punching your mates when you're wee. Yeah. Like just like punching them in the arm and then they punch you and you're like, ah, uh, it's just like, like safe play. Yeah. With um, an added a level of like adrenaline to it. Yeah. Safe play, yeah. but like from across the battlefield. Um, yeah. 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 Also, it's just, it's, it's fun. It's always really fun to like compare who's got the biggest bruise in their arse. 
That's like part of paintball. Yeah. Um, but but I see what you mean though. It can facilitate. I, th- I think you're. I think you're only thinking about yourself. I am because I, I feel like if I'm playing against you, I'm like Alistair's just gonna hit me below the chest, and I'll get a big bruise on my ass from him. I promise. I will. I only. I only aim for the ass when I play paintball. <laughs> Whereas, what if you're with some absolutely sadistic bastard? I like the uncle that's got extra paintballs and only yeah, aims exactly. for the head. Yeah. 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 What's going through his head? Fucking rocks, man. I don't know. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> <laughs> um Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, I see what you mean, like it it it's it, it can facilitate this dangerous behaviour, can't it? Yeah, completely. It's, you can't really legislate for that, can you? Not as long as paintballing's legal, because that's where it's different from. That's that's where paintball's different from video games, isn't it? Because you know, if you've got a murderous instinct, you're just playing COD. You're not like, oh, but go on. I would agree. I I don't disagree. Because there's like that actual physical risk of like hitting someone with a paintball, right? Mm. But at the same time, COD is literally a recreation of war. Like you, the 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 weapons in the games are what soldiers actually use, and that, like yeah. are actually designed for death, unlike a paintball mm. gun. And on top of that, the like sheer number of hours that someone plays on that. It's just like incomparable to like the three hours of paintballing you might do once a year, if that. But 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 here's here's an interesting like thing too. There's always a lot of like fear, or there has been over the years that like first like TV was gonna make kids, but that should actually be boys more violent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, video games, first-person shooters were going to make boys more violent. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think COD can be, like, directly attributed for, like, an increased number of, like, mass shootings. I don't think so. I mean, like, I don't know. But I think... Uh, maybe this is naive, but I think that analysis would probably have been done if it was yeah. if it was accurate yeah um but then but then why is it that like as a society like any big consumer society where video games are huge can play first person shooters and it doesn't actually desensitize young men to violence in the way that other like can anything other than actual real violence desensitize a man to violence enough such that he would go and commit violence himself i don't think so and i think this is looping back to the what john smith's argument i think um violence in the screen like cod and and you know tv and and like movies action movies i think that does desensitize you to violence but it desensitizes you to violence on screen i think okay. people know i think people can tell pretty easily what's fiction or 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 maybe not what's fiction but what's on screen and they can separate that and they can compartmentalize but as soon as you step out into the real world i think people people can make that distinction sure mm. so i think i agree with you on that note and I don't want to go off on this tangent too much because it I mean it has to be a whole other episode but I don't think that's the case with porn oh yeah interesting that if you only watch certain types of porn especially as like a heterosexual man and then you end up in a bedroom with 
like a cis woman, you're a cis man and you're a cis woman, and you've been watching heterosexual violent porn since like the day you started watching or or not very loving porn at the very least. Why would you then it's definitely way more likely that you'd go into a bedroom and like treat the woman the way that you've seen them be treated on the videos. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, I don't have an answer. No, me neither. But that's fine. Like, that's what we're here for. We don't have to give answers all the time. I need to think about that. That's an excellent yeah. point. Yeah. Because I think there are studies and, and I've also just like heard so many testimonies from people I know about men doing stuff in the bedroom that is that is assault. That, mm-hmm. you know, that's begun as a consensual. Or maybe that's the difference. That the, the, the like things men do in the bedroom that become assault start off as a consensual situation where two people want to go in and have sex, right? Yeah, yeah, and then and then a boundary is crossed in that process, whereas there's no consent from the off when you go out and shoot people. Yeah, I suppose uh, there is in war to some extent. Well, <laughs> I'm not consenting anyone to shoot me if I'm a soldier, but you just accept that it's going to happen, I, or it might happen. I'm pretty sure you are like signing a contract that says if this happens then like my family can't sue the state yeah but I don't need to be happy about it I don't need to be like please shoot me oh yeah sh- uh, yeah. I suppose there's a difference yeah right <laughs> please yeah. shoot me in the sexual, sexual consent has to be enthusiastic whereas consent to being murdered <laughs> yeah. is I guess it's acceptance rather than yeah alright I see what you're saying yeah <laughs> Mm. Okay, so coming a bit full circle now, a lot of gun violence is directly or indirectly suicidal, right? Like a lot of mass Um, shooters go out, go on a killing spree, either kill themselves or there is like a word amongst like people who plan these shootings that is death by cop where the intention is to okay. ultimately get shot by the police at the end to end your own life. Is that what you meant by indirectly suicidal? Yeah, I think so. Right. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I suppose it's, yeah. it's still it's still just suicidal. Aye, sure. Is there some distinction to be made where men who go out with guns to perform an act of terrorism are more likely in a situation where they want to die anyway, but they just want to take a few people with them. Whereas soldiers, like soldiers cannot be like inherently suicidal because otherwise like armies wouldn't function. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of cases of, of, you know, soldiers after conflict suffering from PTSD and, yeah. and committing suicide, but I think that might be slightly separate that's, from what... I think that's different, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the people that... These people that commit domestic terrorism and, and, and gun crime and mass murders, mass shootings, I think part of it is, yeah, wanting to take a few people with you, wanting to to have, like, a legacy and have a myth attached to you and have mm. a legend attached to you because like you mentioned before this kind of online network yeah there are stories told of other mass murderers there's legends there's myths there's a whole kind of canon almost um, yeah that's a really good way of putting it of of these like characters because they're not really real anymore they've they're, they're like yeah they've become they're held legends. up yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah in some twisted way and I think that's that's part of the like appeal. That's part of the 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 thinking process or the feeling process for the people that commit these crimes. I think. Yeah. Because I think also 
part of the part of your upbringing and conditioning as a man is to to be important to have a legacy to have a legacy to yeah. have a legacy yeah exactly yeah. i mean i think i've mentioned this before but even as the legacy thing is like just it's evident in the way that like names are passed down surnames yeah. are passed down through the yeah, generation yeah, it's always the man's side right so like yeah. this idea of having a legacy separate from like having a family and and because some people would say that's a legacy but like some this other kind of mythic kind of story yeah your bloodline totally. sort of thing a few examples of that are um the guy who committed the el paso walmart shootings in 2019 uh which was definitely a racially motivated attack against people of latino descent he cited the guy who committed the christchurch mosque mosque shootings in new zealand that same year as mm. an influence so again, like you say, there's this network of men with racial motivations going out and killing people, referencing each other and basically framing them as inspirations and legends and so on. And then the other one is uh, Elliot Roger was, if not is, widely referred to as the Supreme Gentleman Ugh. by a lot of people in incel networks. Um, and I think Ooh. that's like such an easy name to laugh at because if you were like the supreme gentleman, then it's yeah. like, but it's actually just really sinister and it's still so gendered yeah. as well. Like supreme, you think of like supreme leaders and then gentlemen's this like kind of like icky gendered words. Also slightly dated. Yeah, think, completely. And but so I think it, like, a lot of their language is like insults well, and so on. I think it, well, it harks back to like previous generations where, like, I mean, men's dominance was just everywhere. Or, yeah, or more, I the, mean, maybe it still is everywhere, I suppose. But like, you know what I mean? Just more, I know, I know what you mean. Um, and also, like, our notions of like chivalry are rooted in like former times where language was different and stuff like that too. Aye. Hmm. Um, I just quickly wanted to talk about the NRA. Aye, go yeah. for it. Yeah, because I think it's good that we haven't like fo focused exclusively on the US, but I think it's often news that comes from the US that has inspired us to do this episode and talk about this. But um, the NRA is basically it definitely has been, still is one off if not the largest like lobbying body in US politics. Mm. So uh, as early as recently as 2012, 88% of Republican senators and 11% of Democrats had received some kind of funding from the NRA. Whoa. And one point to be made, which is quite fair or like quite a, a very like balanced thing to point out because it's still quite a shocking figure is that these shouldn't necessarily be seen as bribes but more like contributions towards pre-existing loyalists it's still lobbying right but it's not mm -hmm. like they're trying to buy new supporters it just means that like 88 percent of republicans and 11 percent of democrats at the time were just already sympathetic of the NRA and were willing to accept funding from them. Yeah. But that figure in itself is still quite scary. Um, and the NRA also, like, basically grades uh, members of the US House according to, like, how well they think the, like, Senator's agenda fits in with the NRA's. Right. So you can be at the highest level like an A plus rated politician. Oh right. Which means you just full on for like as little gun control as possible. Yeah. And um a quite significant example of the NRA really influencing elections was in I think it was nineteen ninety four, Bill Clinton passed a bill called the Brady Bill. Okay. And it was a bill to like massively jack up gun controls named after uh, the press secretary who was shot and paralyzed during the 1981 assassination attempt of President Reagan. 
Mm. And yeah, so in 1994, Bill Clinton passed this bill and it allowed background checks on gun purchases. It was like created yep. way stricter controls over minors buying guns. And I think there was also a 10 year ban on assault weapons. I don't know why that didn't persist. It must have uh-huh. been like brought back by another president or something. Uh-huh. But anyway, two years later, or whenever the next midterms were, the NRA spent $3.2 million supporting Republican candidates in different seats in the midterms and like targeted like 24 key swing seats and basically helped win 19. And then that, I don't I don't think it created a Republican majority house, but it created a house where the majority of members were in favor of guns. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. That was it. A, a house where the majority of members were A-rated by the NRA. Sorry. They are incredibly powerful. Yeah. The NRA. Um, I, what I wonder is, just when you said like 88% of, I think it was 88% of Republican mm. senators or, or Congress and uh, 11% of, of Democrats get are have been have been lobbied successfully by the NRA. Um I guess wonder I mean is because it's not really a scandal in the states is it? No, it's like and, massively institutionalized, yeah. Yeah, and the NRA is so powerful I guess from a large a large part is is will be um just like the arms industry. Yeah, but also people 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 pay for memberships to it. Like yeah, private citizens love it. Yeah. Um. So, in a sense, that reflects the will of the the will of the people. In mm. a sense, um, it also reflects the will of business, probably more. But, <laughs> but yeah, I know I know what you're saying. And and the whole like continuation of gun ownership just shows how integral people see the Second Amendment, mm. but also like the concept of the individual to be, to like mm. U.S. existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been gabbing on for quite a while. For quite a while. Um, is there anything you want to? You're itching to say. Um I think that's all that's all my notes covered. But uh I think that last point about I think often there needs to be more like a critique of the idea of the individual. Yeah. Because I don't really think it's a thing. No, that's not fair. I think a lot of the time when people talk about individuality and the individual, it totally overlooks how interconnected you still are as an individual. Okay. Um, and I think that's especially important when we're thinking about men and how like societal structures influence men's behavior and also how you can change your behavior as a man because everything is societal and actually like change doesn't, all, all the problems in society, all that pressure is not like on you to to change it because mm-hmm. it is like a concerted effort that's required by everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think also the same goes for when people dismiss cases of gun violence, terrorism, hate crimes, whatever, as like, oh, a lone wolf. Because, yeah, they were very lonely in their own way. But that loneliness, like, comes from a wider societal trend of some kind of mistreatment, and then the hatred that they lash out with is never just one individual thing. It's always because of like racism or sexism, and they're mm. called isms in the way that ideologies are called isms. So, yeah, I just don't think you should ever think about it as like totally down to the individual. No man is an island. No man is an island. No mass murderer is an island. There's no man in Ireland. <laughs> no, but there are men in Ireland. 
there are men in Ireland, and yeah. there's an eye in Ireland. Brilliant. <laughs> I was I was originally going to say there's no eye in Ireland, but it wouldn't even like be the same as the there's a no eye in team analogy. So yeah, it, it just sucked on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. Multiple. But that's all right. That's all right. We don't always have the answers here. No, we don't. As as in we, I, I, we maybe did come up with one with the pawn later on, but it could be mm. wrong, and people mm. can tell us that, and that's all right. Brilliant, brilliant man. Should we leave it there? I think we should. Cool. Oh well. Oh. Yeah, I, it would just be a shame to not mention. I found out that there's a name of a, a type of ammo. It's called rimfire. <laughs> that was really funny. When you've had a few few too many curries. A few too many Szechuan peppers. Oh. Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna throw up. I've Good. survived. Good. Sorry, that was that was it. I just wanted to say Rimfire. Thanks for listening to the Anti Mass Podcast where we've been making compassionate critiques of gun violence today. I hope you found it a very interesting journey. And uh, check it next time. Feel free to give us some likes and reviews and spread the word. Bye bye. What is masculinity?